second thoughts. It wasn't just your concern that was phony. Everything that you stand for, your sick-making beliefs, they're all phony. Ebony, I'm sorry if you don't... Oh, you will be sorry, believe me, if you breathe one word about Bray. I missed out the first time because of that stupid dog. Next time, I won't. So welcome to Series 2, Episode 35 of Conversation Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. Hello there. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 35, the screenplay was done by Carrie Rose. It was directed by Colin McCall. And the episode synopsis we read out by Carlin. The mall rats hold a tribal forum, but can they convince the city of the threat posed by the Chosen? Patsy faces her fears while Tysan makes an enemy, and Lex basks in his moment of glory. Quite a few points to go through in this episode, but let's start off with Patsy. So Patsy refuses to go down for breakfast as she's afraid that Trudy, who she fears still blames her for Bray's kidnapping, will be there. Chloe convinces her to face Trudy, who assures her that it wasn't her fault. So, panel, yeah, first question here. What did you think of the reconciliation here between Patsy and Trudy? And what do you think about Chloe's kind of suspicion, that moment that she had there at the end? I thought the reconciliation felt natural, given what we knew at the moment. You know, um, it made sense to me that Trudy would have a mature outlook on the situation. And once, you know, yeah, she wasn't in her right mind when she was mad at Patsy. She was hysterical, rightfully so, and blamed her. But that, you know, with time, she'd realize obviously it was an accident. Patsy was not responsible for what happened. So I didn't suspect anything of her forgiving Patsy. Because at the end of the day, it really wasn't Patsy's fault. She wasn't intentionally neglectful of the Mm -hmm. baby, you know, and she wasn't the only one out there, you know. And at the end of the day, I truly believe Trudy always blamed herself for just leaving her child in anyone else's care. So it didn't feel weird. It didn't feel like a red flag that she forgave her so easily. And I didn't think Chloe's look was suspicious. I thought it was jealousy and envy to, uh, um, you know, Patsy being in Trudy's arms and the realization in that moment that, oh, there's someone else special that could be someone else who could be special to my friend, you know, um, as she's been Patsy's everything for so long. And, uh, you know, that moment where, you know, Trudy's cuddling Patsy, I, th- I felt like it was more of a child's uh, response to feeling like, oh, I might be getting left out. I might, you know, I f- it felt more like an envy or an, a jealousy. And she even admits that later, that's what fueled most of her suspicions of Trudy. She was just jealous of the relationship growing between Trudy and Patsy. So that's what I read in the scene. Yeah, I, d- I do agree with you there because, you know, for all this time, these girls who used to have Celine as a mother figure, first Amber then, and Celine being there, and those no longer being available to them. And then, you know, they were left on their own together. And in comes Trudy and she sees, you know, Chloe sees Patsy and Trudy instantly connecting like that. It's just, yeah, I, I get that. It's a pang of jealousy for her. As for Trudy forgiving Patsy that easily... Yeah, I think she forgave her long ago. Once he was with the Chosen, she knew Patsy could have never stood a chance against these people. 
there's plenty of people she blames for having been stuck with the Chosen, but Patsy is very low on that list, especially compared to someone like Ebony. <laughs> or Bray. Yeah. You know, that's who I thought you were uh, aiming at when you said there were other people there than Patsy when Brady got kidnapped. Yeah, I do think she kind of blamed Bray for that as well, you know, especially since he didn't come to rescue her. Yeah, that's reasonable. You can always uh, blame Bray. <laughs> but uh, this was so great to watch just because this is like, or at least for me, my opinion that this is probably the only meaningful story arc that Patsy is is giving or gives uh, during this entire yeah. series. And it really all begins with just guilt of how bad she felt that, you know, Brady got kidnapped and oh, just so cool to see Trudy just uses that and kind of manipulates Patsy to kind of do her bidding. This is like Anakin and Darth Sidious from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and it's it's just fantastic. And then Chloe is uh it's all good. Chloe actually is so good in this because this really mm-hmm. strengthens our well, you know, obviously now in this episode it kind of hinders our friendship, but it really strengths strengthens them uh to become what I believe the best friendship in the entire series. I just have to that look Antonia had when she had Patsy in her arms and Chloe was staring at them. There's just, you know, seeing it now, you can just see that tiny little hint of evil in it. I was just about to say, this is where my suspicions began to mm-hmm. come in when I was originally watching it, because her expressions. Yeah. Her <laughs> it was like, hmm, this, are you actually genuinely <laughs> here? Because <laughs> she has that look of, yeah. yes, this part worked, this is going to be useful. Yeah, I initially thought they probably brainwiped Trudy. I'm like, that's no longer Trudy anymore. <laughs> they did something to her. I'm um, just like a side note. Like, did you did you like that Chloe was the one who forced Patsy into this reconciliation? Or it seemed it seemed in par with Chloe. You know, Chloe was always the more proactive of the two. She was always the more of the problem solver. You know, when Chloe wants to do something, she just goes and does it. She doesn't look for permission. She doesn't look for an escort. And so it made sense to me that she would be the one to be like, look, you know, I'm sure she's not upset with you and I'm going to fix this because I can't have you hiding in your room. You're my friend. I care about you. It just was very on par for Chloe. I didn't even Mm -hmm. blink at it. Mm -hmm. And Otta Teddy Bear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if anyone's one was going to bring a giant teddy bear for Brady, well, that was going to be Chloe. It also says so much of how far Chloe has come. When you think about what Chloe was like in season one, how isolated she was from these people. They weren't her family. They were just the refuge that had taken her in. And she didn't depend on any of them. She didn't go to any of them for comfort or help. She did everything on her own. She was actually quite afraid of what, how they might react to the things that she wanted. And she didn't have much faith in them. And to see how far she's come into, this is my family and I know I, I know I can trust them and I know I can love them. And there is nothing that we can't solve together as long as we're talking to each other and forgiving each other. It's such a big jump in Chloe's character. Yeah, but she was always quite caring, you know, at least maybe not 
you know, as outspoken as some others were, but when, when Brady was just born and Zoot died, we see Chloe praying for them, even for the bad guy, you know, and she's just such a sweet little girl who does think about others. It's just, for me, this just felt like um, she saw that her friend was in pain, but she also noticed that, you know, though they both like to have a bigger person help them with stuff, Chloe doesn't need that as much as Patsy does. And I think Chloe saw that, that not just the forgiveness, but, you know, the, the chance of Trudy being there for Patsy as well was something that Patsy needed more than Chloe did. Mm. Yeah, Chloe's always been incredibly intuitive and sensitive mm-hmm. to what people think and feel around her. And um, so, yeah, it just makes perfect sense that she would be the one to create this reconciliation. This is something she can fix, unlike, well, Selena and Ryan, which is obviously not working. (laughs) I wonder what Patsy would have done if left to her own devices, if she hadn't had a friend who would convince her to face this head on and help her through it. What would Patsy have done? You know, who would she have gone to? Or how long would she have stayed closeted in her room, terrified of running into Trudy? And who would have stepped in and helped her? And been, who would have noticed that Patsy was having a hard time of it? You know what I mean? And did something about it. Nobody else seems to care. Celine certainly doesn't care. None of the other uh, older kids have even noticed that Patsy would be bothered by this. You know, I mean, Tysan's aware, but that's only because the girls went to her, you know, and... Mm-hmm. So I am curious, if it wasn't for Chloe, who would have, what would Patsy have done? Who would she have been able to go to? I don't think anyone. No, just thinking out loud here, I think Patsy would have volunteered to go to the farm. <laughs> Even though she doesn't like that, it's, it would have been a way to, you know, get out of Trudy's way. I think she would have tried to just put as much distance between herself and Trudy as possible if Chloe hadn't intervened. Likely Trudy would have sought her out first. Yeah, you know like i just feel like if there'd been no patsy there would be no intervention like likely trudy would have sought out patsy first before anybody else Mm -hmm. decided to get involved true lex covering the mall in ebony the city forget it oh think about it ebony more time to concentrate on what you're good at being out there sussing checking taking charge you always had the smoothest chat-up lines okay let's move on to the rescue so Alice is firmly back on Team Lex after he successfully rescues her from the barn and she urges him to fight for his old place in the tribe. Ebony, however, pushes back on his demand for his old job back, but Bray suggests a compromise that sees Lex look after security in the mall whilst Ebony looks after security in the wider city. So yeah, what do you think, panel, about Lex's return to favour and Bray's suggestion, which was a big surprise? <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue what Danny has done to him, but ah, apparently this boy has not a worry in his mind anymore. He's got Trudy back in the mall with Brady. He's got Danny in his bed and he just doesn't care about anything. And I think he might be actually be happy that this option would, you know, have Ebony out of the mall more. To Bray's credit, this is very on par with season one, Amber. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few times I feel like Bray's being incredibly pragmatic and thoughtful about the situation and not reactionary. Um, 
I mean, you can't get rid of Ebony as much as everyone may hate her, mm-hmm. as much as everyone may not trust her, as much as people may be fearful of taking anything she offers them to drink. You know, like, he knows they need her. They can't do this yeah. without her. He also knows that Lex is useless if he's not given something productive to do. It's taken him a long time to figure that out, but Amber sussed it out immediately about Lex. Mm-hmm. Give him something to do. Give him a freaking direction and let him go. Utilize his skill set. So for the first time, I'm hearing Bray make a very practical suggestion of how to solve this problem. Rather than having these two wrangle it out as to who would be better for security, <laughs> he's recognized, I need you both. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to let you fight it out. It's just stupid. This actually solves a problem. It gives Lex something to do. It gives him back his sense of importance and priority and he has a desperate need to prove it and ebony i still need you to do but i can't have you doing it here (laughs) i can't have you doing it within the mall because you're making life miserable for everybody and you know granted he can't see how this is going to turn out but it's not a bad suggestion it's something i could totally hear amber making in the earlier season yeah yeah i I do agree with that (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, I remember when it came down to the role of leadership in season one, Amber realized it is pointless fighting over who should be the one leader. It was pointless mm-hmm. trying to oust Lex out as leader. He's not going to give it up. So how she, she had to circumvent it. You know what I mean? And before you know it, you had three leaders, each with their own individual thing that they were in charge of. So they could focus on the thing they were actually good at. And that is how she solved the problem. She didn't say, Lex, you're just no longer leader because you're bad at it. She's just like, here, you be leader in this one area that you actually care about and you're not bad at. You know, and all the crap you don't want to do, we'll take it over. You know what I mean? She was just very careful about that. And I was like, that's what Mm -hmm. Lex, that's what Bray reminded me of in this moment. I was like, not bad, Bray. <laughs> Not bad at all. That'll do, pig. <laughs> yeah, it must be a full moon if Bray had a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised that he was finally, you know, doing something or at least suggesting something useful again. Yeah. <gasps> I know what it is. I know why he's so helpful, why he's in such a good mood. It's because he got laid. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Bray needs. So we can all agree on what Bray needs in order to be a good leader around here. <laughs> so that's the use of Danny. <laughs> She's taking one for the team. <laughs> so you're, what you're saying is he's really not that much different to Lex. That's, that's all he needs to get focused. <laughs> no, no, no. It's no, more no. Fair, perhaps it's more fair to say that she balanced his chakras. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say it's more like Tyson said. Hey, yeah. You no, know, she's doing it for the tribe. <laughs> this makes her a legend. <laughs> I just realized Danny gave up her true power. Think about it. As long as like she, Bray couldn't have her, as long as he was pining for her, he was useless. She had mm-hmm. all the power. But the minute she succumbed to him, she lost her power like Samson lost his, and Bray gained it. He sucked it out of her. Mm-hmm. Literally. Oh, Danny. Oh, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the hidden message of this. <laughs> all young girls, don't give it up to guys like Bray. <laughs> no matter how good they look shirtless. <laughs> yep, because you will lose your power over them. Danny just becomes so useless after finally being with Bray. Like, what happened? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm suddenly realizing Sandra really was the smart one. <laughs> At least she waited until she had that ring on her finger. That's true. You gotta wait it out, see what they do. Wow. There's a lot to take in from this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame Ebony for fighting Lex, though, pushing back on him. Mm. I mean, she has every right to be like, are you freaking serious? You, had it, you got it together for a day. And everybody's supposed to yeah. trust that you can handle this, you know. Um, so I don't really blame her for giving him crap about it. No. Uh, and uh, I don't blame her for being like, I'm the one who's been taking care of stuff. I, yeah, I had a couple bad days, but I had a very good reason for those couple bad days. I was kidnapped and traumatized, you know, and I had to deal with that. But I look, I took barely three days off, you know what I mean? I was, <laughs> I earned a little leave. And I've been handling everything. And you're going to waltz in here because you played hero for a few hours and think you're going to take my job? Are you kidding me? But I also don't blame the rest of the group for jumping at the chance to oust Ebony any way they possibly can. Because mm-hmm. as effective as she is, she is miserable to have to deal with. you know. And of course, none of them trust her, so that doesn't help. <laughs> They've all been looking for a reason to get her out of their mall. <laughs> right, that's yeah. true. And I do think they're happy that Alex is given something to do within the mall where they can still kind of keep an eye on him. Because Lex has done plenty of things to them, but he's never tried to kill any of them. Yeah, <laughs> nope. that's true. This is the thing that the Moors don't learn. Like, you'd rather have Ebony in the mall rather than out in the sea. Like, <sighs> these guys never <laughs> learn. That's true. Yep. Keep your enemies uh, close. Oh, why would you push her into the city? That's just the worst thing you could do. <laughs> Yeah, you want to keep an eye on your enemies, especially Ebony. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's devious, and they know it. Especially Bray knows this. Um, I mean, and you see, I was sticking with Alison Lex. What did you make of the kind of connection that was brought up here? Hmm. Ah, uh, much as I love Alice, I I do think she's jumping the gun, mm-hmm. and yet I understand why. Not all of us get the chance to be a damsel. Um, I know it has a negative connotation in our society. Who wants to be a damsel in distress? But the truth is, everyone does want to be saved once in a while. Everyone wants to feel worthy of saving, to be a delicate prize that someone is willing to go through fire and flame to save because you're that precious to them. You know, and for many of us, we will never fit the damsel material. No one is going to fight a dragon for us. And as Alice describes it, as she's telling Tysan, you know, I felt something special. I felt delicate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I felt precious that someone was willing to do all that to save me, to put their lives in danger. I felt like a woman. I felt feminine. And that's something Alice doesn't get the opportunity to feel. Everybody looks at her and thinks, oh, you're so tough and we're scared of you. But she's a female and she wants to feel that. And she did in that barn with Lex. And so I get why that created such a bond and an attachment on top of what she already felt for Lex, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what she's latched on to. So she's jumping the gun. We shared something special. It must mean something because of how this made me feel. It was so amazing. I never get to feel this way. And um, even though I'm just like, oh, Alice, honey, slow your roll. You know what I mean? He was just being freaking decent to you because he cares about mm-hmm. you, you know? And so it's like, I get it. You know, and, and that's something that, especially with girls Alice's size, um, it's something that they're taught 
from a younger age, you're the bigger one, you're, you know, you're not deemed as delicate and feminine as all the other tiny girls. So I think that is something that just made it even stronger for her to have it, you know, to have someone save her because she's the person who always has to save everyone. She's the one who's got the whole world on her shoulders and looks out for everyone she knows. And here she has the chance to, you know, be like that princess in a fairy tale with a knight in shining armor coming to save her. Just, yeah, I, I totally get that. I think able to do that makes uh, like so desirable for her. Mm -hmm. I also think it speaks to um, another cliche that is often taught to young women specifically in society that if you are special, you can change the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Zondra had that idea in her head that if I'm special enough, Lex will change just for me. Because I'm that wonderful. I'm that special one that will inspire him to be the right kind of guy. And that gets drilled into our heads from so many stories. And so for Alice to feel that moment that Lex showed her something he never shows anybody else. That she might be the special one in the story that makes him the ideal man because she's that special. You know, um... It's like this innate thing that's drilled into our heads at a very young age, you know, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and why so many women will chase the bad guy. Because if you're special enough, he'll change for you. And Lex mm -hmm. has shown her sides of himself that nobody else ever sees or pays attention to. Yeah. So it's reinforced, you know, that he's different with me, though. I know you guys only see him as one way. I know he can be a jerk, but... I saw something in him because he was willing to show it to me. That must say something about me and how special I am, you know? And and it does because he sees her as a friend. He just doesn't see her as a delicate female possible that he would possibly hook up with. He just doesn't see her romantically. No, he, he sees her as a good friend. Which is in some ways is actually yeah. kind of more special. I mean, Lex has no problem being attracted to somebody. <laughs> like that's not very special for Lex to be attracted to you doesn't take much but for Lex to like you and respect you that is something special yeah that's true but again I do think they have really good chemistry and I wouldn't mind to see them in a relationship because I do think Lex would be mm -hmm. or, or Alice would be good for Lex um, but I, I just think they're or at least I just feel like they're in two different paths in her life right now mm -hmm. are two different stages i think lex is still discovering himself and what he can actually offer to the tribe while as alice is already kind of there and she, she deserves someone who's already uh put together yes agreed yeah which is why i'm happy she got ned <laughs> no, <I'm just> oh. <laughs> <laughs> not touching that one um. <laughs> I have opinions on that, <laughs> but not today. Not today. <laughs> and yeah, just briefly, I, I, with everything going on this episode, did we really need five minutes of Casey's hero worship of Lex? Yeah, let him have it. This guy <laughs> has let him down so many times, and for once, Casey is allowed to sing this man's praises, and it's right and accurate and deserved. <laughs> let him have it. It's fine. Give this kid a break. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess he can have it, but I'm definitely not yeah. staying around to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I get people rolling their eyes at it. Yeah. <laughs> even a bro even a broken clock is right twice a day. Let the kid have it. It's like le- like legit like that one guy who rooted against the the uh what the Super Bowl team that had no chance in winning and then it actually won and you just have to hear them just talk about it for the next yep. full week. <laughs> I told you he could do it. I told you. Who's the man? Uh, he just he just sounds like a giant cheerleader. Yeah. Somebody give the boy pom poms, please. Well, then why don't you tell me? Because there is nothing I can say that doesn't hurt like hell. Can't you understand that? Or or is your little newshing more important than anything else? Leave her alone. This isn't about the newshing. This is about us. We're all in danger. If she knows anything about the Chosen that could help, she should tell us. No matter how much it upsets her. That's right. You're just being horrible. Go away. Fine. I will. But they won't. Ellie attempts to interview Trudy about the Chosen, but she refuses to discuss what happened to her. And a newly devoted Patsy defends her while Chloe sees Ellie's point of view, that they are all in danger, and they need to know as much as possible. So yeah, panel, um, I know we talked about before about that uh, Tree doesn't owe them any explanation um, since she returned, but it's been a few days now. Like, like, where do you fall on the issue now? They didn't care about her when she was gone, so why should she tell them? I mean, I get from security point of view-wise, I totally get why they want the info, but I get why she doesn't feel the need to relive everything that she's been through for them. She isn't worried about the chosen coming after her, so why would they? I mean, and, and there's well, there's a difference between like specifics of what happened to her and like general information about like how big or how many of them are there, like what kind of weapons they've got, like that kind of information though. That she could have explained that, don't you think? I do. I do. I thought I I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, it's not inherently wrong that the yeah, everybody wants to know these basic Mm -hmm. facts about the chosen are they coming after you what are we looking at here you know um even the most basic conversation Mm. i i they have a right to ask that even if it is only selfishly motivated because they are being selfish Mm -hmm. they only care about themselves you know they don't actually care about trudy and the baby and what might happen to them but yes that is important questions to ask and they have a right to ask those and be they'd be idiots not to be concerned about those things and at the same time even if trudy wasn't a double agent at this point i still get why she wouldn't want to tell them anything i still understand why she'd be like i you have no right to anything i went through and what i know why do you care you don't care about me you as sabine said you didn't care about what happened to me, where I was, um, this anger, this resentment, you didn't try to rescue me. Um, and I, I guess, and I'm torn because I feel like if these guys actually had shown any genuine concern for Trudy, I would believe that they're concerned for her now, but I know they're not concerned for her. They, you know, they didn't care about the chosen at all until Trudy came back. They were not worried about where the chosen were and what they were doing, because as far as they were concerned, the chosen had gotten what they want and went away. And so they just went on with their lives. They never showed it a shred of fear about Mm. the chosen until Trudy walked back in that mall. And suddenly the chosen are a concern and we all need to work together. Don't you care about the children, Trudy? And it's like, 
So I'm no. still stuck. I'm just stuck on the fence because I'm just like, I don't care that I don't. I don't feel like you guys specifically deserve to know what danger might be coming to you, while at the same time acknowledging that the average person should be asking these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, I would have had no issue if a random mom with a child Brady's age would have gone up to her with a, they first took you and your baby. Um, are they going to steal all the children? You know, if that was the, the kind of response you would have gotten from someone, sure. But the people who didn't even bother to look for her baby in the first place when she was kidnapped by the Chosen. No, they just, they lost the privilege to that information and the right to ask her when they just decided to ignore it. Yes, but she is back at the mall. So mm. the danger is going to be brought to the mall. Like, they, mm. That does need to be explored. Maybe it needs to be explored. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true too. But I also feel that the other tribes are kind of dismissive about the whole thing. Is because they just been kept out of the loop throughout the, the entire thing. Yeah, because they didn't even know what happened to Trudy and the baby. They were right. Like they were never told that there was a dangerous cult out there kidnapping mothers and their children. So of course they're dismissive when the Mallrats suddenly bring it up. Like you got to be worried about these guys. And it's like why, why? And if it's like, if they were dangerous this whole time, why did you keep it from us? Why didn't you tell mm -hmm. us we were in danger too? Because you didn't care about anyone but yourselves. You know, I, <laughs> I just feel like maybe, I, granted, I know there's a way someone could have approached Trudy and asked this question. And I would have said, mm -hmm. Trudy, please give them an answer. They've, you know what I mean? But nobody has addressed Trudy in the right way where I feel like she just, she owes them an answer. Not a single person has come to Trudy no. to get answers where I feel like they deserve any because of the way they've approached her. And maybe that's me being petty and I'm, I'm, I'll wear my petty crown proudly. You know what I mean? Like, fine. Yeah. But not a single person has approached Trudy in a way that makes me feel they give a crap about anyone but their own neck. And I don't care about their necks at this point. So, and I do love the fact that Trudy plays on the fact that she can't tell these guys anything. Because it jeopardizes her job, what she, her mission, what she has to do. Mm -hmm. And so she's playing on her trauma, you know, like how did, you know, because it's like, you know, Ellie didn't ask for the details. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she didn't ask for, I want to know about all the suffering and all the horrible things they did to you. <laughs> I just want some basics. And I love the way Trudy plays on, oh, I love, I bet you'd love to hear every single terrible detail of what yeah. happened to me. And Ellie's like, no, I, w I would never, you know? And um, I'm like, well done, Trudy. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> She's a master at deception. Yep. She had to become that way. She'll learn from the best. I mean, mm -hmm. one of her biggest examples in life for deceiving people, that's Ebony when she deceived her, and that's Jaffa. And well, he went so, so big in his deception that he convinced himself to believe stuff. So, yeah, she learned from the best. My favorite thing about the scene between Trudy, the girls, and Ellie is that's the moment um, Trudy realizes which of the girls is going to be her best target. Mm -hmm. Because Chloe, you know, Chloe is, you know, happy to be hanging out with Trudy, and but she's not vulnerable to needing Trudy's nope. acceptance or, you know, attention. So when, you know, she sides with Ellie, you know, that's a practical thing Ellie's asking. 
you know, mm-hmm. but Patsy immediately runs to Trudy's defense. And in that moment, you realize like that's the moment Trudy realizes which of these girls is the weakest link. Mm-hmm. The one I, I have to prey on, you know, and uh, I just thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, because she offers herself, comes to Trudy's aid, and yeah, that's when she knows he has her. I think that was when I first felt something was a little off about Trudy. Because, again, I don't think she owes them any answers or crap, screw them. But um, I felt her reaction was over the top, considering how Ellie had asked her question. You know, um, Ellie is being reasonable, even though, again, totally selfish, and I don't care about her story. I don't care about the Mallrat safety. She is being reasonable, and it was the way... I'd see, I've seen people do this when they want to fight with you, when they want to avoid the issue, and how they can get emotionally manipulative. And that was the first hint I got of emotional manipulation from Trudy this time around. Because I'd seen her do it in season one with Bray, you know, and... Um, mm-hmm. So this was the first time I was just like, why this, it feels like, what does she not want to talk about? You know what I mean? If it, she's not, doesn't seem concerned about these guys coming back for Brady. She doesn't seem at all concerned about them all shoring up their defenses. And if she's not concerned, why won't they come for her and the baby? That was the first time it hit me. Like, why isn't she worried that they'll come back for her in this child? These people who freaking kidnapped her. Why isn't she scared mm-hmm. about that happening? Why isn't she willing to work with the people who are her best bet and s- keeping her safe from them? You know, this was the first time I was like, it was a little odd that you, you're not <laughs> willing at all to meet them halfway to ensure your daughter's safety. You seem really convinced that your daughter is okay now. Why? You know, I always wondered if she did something to the Guardian to escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe she found something better than a plastic knife. <laughs> Can't just come in here making demands. I mean, I'm busy with other things. What other things? I've got a life outside security gadgets, you know. You mean you have a woman and she's the boss? Yeah. Right. Okay, I said I'd help Ellie with the amulet. What, and the rest of us just go to hell for you, yeah? Would everyone stop having a go at me? Look, I'm trying my best. Well, maybe it's not good enough. Ellie or the tribe, mate? It's your choice. After the return of Lex and Alice exposed a fault in the mall's alarm system, Ebony and later Lex harass Jack about getting it fixed. And a frustrated Jack snaps at Lex that he's doing his best, while Lex thinks he's too distracted by Ellie, who herself confronts him by working on gadgets rather than investigating the Chosen. Um, yeah, panel, does anyone care about Jack's predicament? Do you share his frustrations, or do you think he just deserves it? I think it was the perfect way for him to get out of having to deal with Ellie and her plans. You know, he'd rather throw himself into a technical issue than have to deal with that. Believe it or not, I actually felt bad for Jack this episode. Um, I, which is rare. <laughs> it's very rare. <laughs> I feel any sympathy for Jack, but this is not a result of Jack's bad behavior. And it's just coming back to hit him. You know what I mean? I'm all for karma in that sense. You get what you give. This is different. Um, These things do need to be done. That is true. And Jack is likely one of the few people who can actually get it done, who actually knows what he's doing. Um, And we saw it in season one, too. A lack of respect for how much work goes into this stuff. Just an expectation that it gets done. Mm -hmm. I, I mean... 
we saw it happen with Jack trying to keep them all safe, trying to come up with ideas and how little gratitude he was ever shown for those skills. We saw the lack of sleep he got as he was pouring over the Eagle, the Hope Island files. This kid wasn't eating. He wasn't sleeping Mm -hmm. because everyone was depending on him to find the answer so they don't die. Mm -hmm. And there was so little gratitude or consideration given to Jack during that time. You know, and he was desperate to find the answer and he felt it, the burden on his shoulders. I'm the only one who can freaking save us. I'm the only scientist we have left and I'm 14 years old, you know, and I, I felt it again here. Jack is good at this stuff, but there's no consideration given to him for, you know, time it might take, effort, energy, him having a life of his own, like... He's not allowed to have any other interest outside of what you've deemed important. That's just unreasonable. It is unreasonable to tell this kid, I want this done. God forbid you have any other obligations. You're not allowed to have any other obligations. And God forbid you promised your time to another person. I'm going to shame you for it and make you feel terrible because you want to spend time with another person or because you promised your time to another person. That's just not right to do to anybody. And I don't even feel like Jack deserves that, you know, um, because he wants to help and he feels an obligation to do so. And he would gladly do so, but there's a nice way to ask him to do it rather than feeling, making him feel like crap about it. Wanting things done yesterday is ridiculous. And so I do feel bad for him. And, uh, Jack is still learning how to be a human as well as a computer. So he's trying to balance the both of them. And there's nothing wrong with Jack wanting to, you know, balance his responsibilities and promises to his girlfriend. No one should make him feel crap for that, you know. And and then Ellie does it too. And it's like... It, it felt more like karma for Ellie than for Jack, really. I mean, she was so pushy and then he didn't go with her. Someone wrote a comment about this. Ellie keeps getting on Jack's case saying he doesn't stand up for himself and this is why people push him around and she doesn't like it. But at the end of the day, every time Jack stands up to Ellie, she throws a freaking Mm -hmm. temper tantrum. (laughs) Ellie doesn't want Jack to stand up for himself. She wants him to be her yes man. She wants him to be available and do whatever it is she wants done at any given time. Mm -hmm. So her getting mad at Jack because he's like, I told, you know, Lex and Ebony I would do these things. It's just her throwing a bit because he's not doing what she wants him to do at any given time. So it's like, Ellie, yeah, go yeah. away. I think maybe it's that. And maybe since maybe that whole argument took place is because she saw how Lex was perceived by her sister of being this, uh, I don't know, like maybe this alpha type guy. And that's like 100% not what Jack is. <laughs> no, nah, but I, I felt bad for Jack. Um and I was like, Ellie, you're not helping the situation. Get off his case. You're just pissed because he's not going to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's all this really is. You don't actually care about Jack's time or how he's being treated or the way people are running all over him because you run all over Jack whenever he disagrees with you. Yep. Yeah, you can't disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. It was just, I had no patience for it. When she came in and gave him a hard time, I was just like, Ellie, just go do your paper. You don't need Jack's help for that. This is your baby. This is what you want to be. And you're showing zero respect for what your boyfriend is actually good at. Like the way she demeans what his skill set is, is just, it's so insulting and rude. 
and completely unnecessary. I get you being mad that he made a commitment to spend time with you, but he's not fobbing you off to go play basketball, Ellie. He's doing something important for the tribe, something you claim to care so much about. Isn't that what your paper is about? Because you care about the tribe. All right. So why are you giving Jack a hard time? Because he's doing using his skill set to help the tribe. You're just pissed because he's not spending time with you on your hobby. And it's just what she said about his tinkering. With it. It's like, Ellie, get out of here. Go out into the city. And do your thing. <laughs> Show some freaking respect to your partner. What's wrong with you, you little brat? Ugh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. <laughs> I agree. Hence why I said it's karma. It's karma for Ellie. She deserved Jack going on with working on the alarms and everything. She did not deserve Jack coming with her. I agree. Uh, I love season two, Ellie, but she can be very annoying. And this is one of those days. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I f- always felt complicated about Ellie because she has her good points. But there are times like these when I just want to wring her scrawny little neck. Mm-hmm. It's just... Ah. I mean, she's glad. She, she can be glad she has Alice as a big sister and not me. Seriously. She's just gotten in the habit of Jack hanging on to her every word. She's just gotten in the habit of him being available because there hasn't been anything for Jack to do. Jack has not been able to utilize his skill set in a very long time. So he's been nothing but available to Ellie. And she's just grown used to it. And so at the first sign that he's got something else to do outside of her, she doesn't take it well. At this first sign, Jack doesn't agree with her. She doesn't take it well. And again, she's a kid. I get it. I don't have to like it, though. And if she was my daughter, I'd put her straight. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's at an age where she should have learned to, you know share her toys right or at least learn that from alice yeah sweetheart you are not talented enough to be this much of a prima donna sorry (laughs) you're not even that good at what you can do lay off because people don't tell you anything anyways i actually this actually makes me wonder if jack might have gotten more serious answers from trudy than ellie ever got you know jack would have bungled that come on (laughs) There's no way Jack would have been able to ask Trudy a question without her setting his hair on fire. No, but at least he would always be clear about what he wanted to know. Before she chose chased him out of the room with plastic utensils. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be clear it wouldn't go well for him. Hey, at least he would have gotten the hint. No, I just got this vision of that scene in Lord of the Rings where Strider is killing the the guys who are coming after Frodo with the ring. (laughs) And they're on fire running away from him. (laughs) That is exactly what Trudy would have done if Jack came to her room asking about the Chosen. Okay, let's stick with Ellie. um, Because Ryan confides in her that he thinks there's something wrong with him, as nothing he does seems to be enough for Celine. Ellie reassures him and asks him to accompany her into the city as she wants to try to find out more about the Chosen. Um, Ellie, I just want to talk about that quickly because um, I'm, I'm glad Matt added this into the notes because we don't ever see these two interact. So, yeah, what did you make of this scene? Oh my gosh, you guys. This is so sad and depressing. 
Now, I'm fine with the fact that Ellie got over her snit fast enough to realize, I don't need Jack to go do what I need to do. I know I can do it on my own, blah, blah, blah. That's great. And I even love the fact that she asked Ryan to come with her because she recognizes that he's depressed. He doesn't know what to do with himself and he's feeling like crap. But the saddest thing is the way she says, that's not true, Ryan. I'd want to be your friend. And I was like, what a weird thing to say to someone rather than say, I'm your friend, Ryan. I care about you. I would be your friend. Insinuating I'm not your friend. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. your family and I tolerate you. But if given the choice, I'd totally be your friend. Don't know why I'm not. It's such a strange thing to say, but it was also just sad. Look at Ryan's reaction to Ellie wanting his company. Ellie encouraging him. Ellie telling him that he's not worthless. And that just because he's fighting with Celine doesn't diminish him as a person. You know, it doesn't diminish his worth. It's so depressing to see Ryan in this scene. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, Ryan truly believes that nobody would put up with him except for Celine. Yeah. How sad is that? Oh my gosh. She's not even doing that. <laughs> no, and, and just, just think about, I mean, Lex was always that way to him. You know, see, season one, Lex seriously told Ryan that he was good for nothing. Who would want you? You're lucky we put up with you. That is yeah. what Ryan's relationships with people have yeah. taught him, that he's fortunate if they even bother with him at all. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and, you know, and before, you know, at least with Zandra, he had someone who needed him and who he felt saw him as a friend. And with her gone, you know, and Celine acting the way she is, yeah, I I just feel bad for the guy. And then for Ellie to say it like that, it's, yeah, it's weird, but it's at the same time, it's so, so real to how Ryan must be feeling and how. Other people seem to view Ryan. Just, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart so much. Yeah. Every, every relationship Ryan has had so far with everyone, you know, whether it was Lex, whether it was Zandra, you know, whether it was Celine, whether it was his family members, you know, Zandra vacillated between, you know, I need you, Ryan, you're dependable, and I really appreciated that, and you're a really great guy. And the minute Ryan would let her down, she had no problem dressing him down. Mm-hmm. and letting him know you failed me you failed at the one thing you're supposed to be good at you failed at the one thing i keep you around for mm-hmm. it's your job to keep me from being hurt by lex so go do your job ryan you know what i mean you're never mm-hmm. gonna be good enough for me to love you you know what i mean like that's never gonna happen your job is to keep me safe and happy ryan so get on it you know and then you have lex he's just like dude we're pals we're friends right because i need you but the minute I don't like you or I'm annoyed with you, I have no problem telling you you're scum and you're worthless and you'll never have anything and you're lucky I put up with you. And even the woman he loves vacillates between, you're so wonderful, Ryan. I adore you. You're such a great man to, I'll treat you like garbage because I'm in a mood and I just don't know what to do with you. So it's totally okay to treat you like crap and you're not worth anything. And that's Ryan. That's his life. And, and, you know, now you describe it that way with Ryan, my mind is suddenly going back to Alice saying, like, I, I feel pres- I felt precious, you know, I, I felt delicate. And, you know, I, I can't help but think but a lot, that a lot of the things Ryan is feeling about his self-worth 
are things that often have gone on in Alice's head as well. Like I'm useful. That's why people keep me around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is clearly abuse that yeah. uh, Ryan has uh, gotten used to over the years, yeah. but now it's gotten to a point where it's just not healthy. And to me, this is the first sign of, of evidence that he should definitely not be with Celine if he's feeling mm-hmm. this low and feeling this down and he can't even go to his partner to to communicate how he feels or to be honest with how he feels. He tries. If she's not receptive to that and she keeps <laughs> brushing brushing it off like it's nothing. Yeah. Definitely. She's not worthy. Yeah, she's definitely not worthy. Hey people, this is why I ship Ryan and Alice. Uh, I would love those two together. I would too. I do. I just, more than anything, more than shipping Ryan with anybody, I just want Ryan to get that healthy order in his mind and recognize mm-hmm. his own worth. It's not what he does for other people. That's not what makes him worthy. You know, I, I just want him to see himself and recognize that he's worthy of love and good treatment and recognizing this pattern that, as Carlin said, he's just grown used to this abusive form of love from everyone he knows. And and then as Sabine points out, Alice felt precious with Lex and that strengthened her attachment to him. And it does the same with Ryan. Anytime anyone yeah. feel, makes him feel special or necessary or needed, that attachment cements itself, you know, and it's just like, Oh my gosh, I just want to swoop in and give him soup and a good talk and you know, mama's here, sweetie. Let's we're gonna work this out because this isn't healthy and you cannot go on your life like this. And he's breaking. Ryan was able to live under mm-hmm. this for so long and he's breaking, he's shattering under this abuse. And that's why we see this weird change in him as the anger starts coming out. It's all that that repression just inside of how he's been made to feel his entire life. Ryan wasn't given a voice. He wasn't given a point of view. And he wasn't told he had any worth. And it's just bubbling to the surface. It's never good enough. What he's saying to Ellie, I, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I try my best. And I'm just, I want to weep. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the frick did any of it? I think Dal's the only one who had good parents. Oh my god, she's four kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> may- yeah, yeah. Well, maybe the kids did too, but I guess they didn't have them for long enough. Oh my gosh, there's so many signs of the ill adjustment. Oh, sorry, maladjustment. Many of these kids suffered in their homes. And I think Dal was the only one who came from a stable one. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else, there's just a, a little, you can see the damage their parents did them in tiny little ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You set the whole thing up, didn't you? Played with us like little toys in Tyson's game of life. No, that's not true. And why? Because you love power and manipulation. So Ebony confronts Tyson about confessing Ebony's feelings to Bray, accusing her of being a manipulator and a lover of power before admitting to the attempt on her life and swearing that she will not have failed a second time. So, yeah, panel, what did you make of Ebony's outburst and her assessment of Tyson? She has a point. <laughs> <laughs> she really does have a point. I mean, even if Tyson says he's doing things unintentionally or 
never broke her trust that way. We all know Tyson never says anything or gives information that she doesn't want to give. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Ebony that Tyson loves power. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, there's, <laughs> can't say she's wrong about that. And, well, as for saying she would not fail a second time, <laughs> she probably wouldn't. But she's also reminding Tyson to keep her guard up. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it makes sense for me that Ebony says this because, you know, Ebony knows that Tyson's 100% sure that Ebony was behind the attempt on her life. So, yeah, I, I get, yeah, I do get why she says that to Tyson in a way that's like, look, I know what you're up to and you've pushed me too far. You know, beware. Because that's basically basically what he's telling her. Beware and don't anger me again, or you will pay for it. Yeah, every every episode that goes by, I see Tyson. It makes more sense that she's a techno spy to me. <laughs> because why else would she play with everyone's emotions like this? And <laughs> because it's fun. I don't. I, I mean, you could make a case that she's like sincere with it, but it honestly, you can also look at it that she's like trying to make people feel worse. <laughs> That she knows she's giving bad advice just so she can, I don't know, take notes, make analysis to see how different people across the city would react to this. So she can feed this information back to Ram. <laughs> uh, the way you're describing her like that, that doesn't sound like Ram. That sounds like Mega. Or Mega. Sure. Yeah. I was looking at the comments on this video and I know, I accept, I am in the minority in my opinion, that this does not describe Tyson. And I accept that. I'm fine with it. Um, I, I don't think of Tyson as that person. Um, I'm not, I don't find Tyson's contradictory nature all that strange. It seems very fitting with Eastern philosophy. And um, so I, I don't agree with Ebony is calling her. But I agree with Sabine that it makes sense that Ebony has reasoned it this way. Uh, you know, as someone who cannot relate to um, anyone doing anything out of the goodness of their heart, genuinely trying to help as someone who is building up her defenses again to deal with the fact that she allowed herself to be vulnerable and it didn't work out for her. And uh, so, you know, she's just adding more spackle, more cement dealing with that. She's covering up the pain of Bray's brutal rejection of her vulnerability you know, he didn't just say, I don't care about you. Again, he drop kicked her across a football field verbally and told her exactly what he thought of her. That had to shatter her in so many ways. Not only did she take the moment to be weak and let him see the real feelings inside of her, he took out her teeth for doing it, you know, and she lacks the ability to recognize that she did that to herself. So she's looking at Tysan. And trying to make sense of Tyson's actions. And as from Ebony's point of view, it had to be deliberate. It had to have been motivated by a darkness. It could not possibly be an innocence to what she did. That doesn't make sense to Ebony. So for her, she has to interpret it from her own point of view. It had to have been evil. You had to have been trying to manipulate this. You had to have been playing with me. That's the only way I can explain you. It's the only way you make sense to me. Because nothing else you did made sense to me. So you have to be this horrible, evil, powerful person to do this. 
that's the only thing that makes sense to me. So I feel like, yeah, that works for Ebony's trying to frame it in her mind, mm-hmm. even though I don't agree that's who Tyson is. Um, I think it might have been a more accurate description of her in season one, because I do feel like <laughs> Tyson played with people deliberately and did not care about the outcome. She was just playing and seeing what would happen. She liked tugging on their strings and, oh, and cared nothing about the outcome. Just the fact that she had the power to affect that outcome. That was very season one Tyson. I do not feel like that's been season two Tyson. But um, again, I accept I'm in the minority of it. And then, you know, it's really funny. They Ebony threatens uh, Tyson with, you know, I'll do more to you or, you know, or whatever. But I was like, you just tried to poison her like not too long ago. So I don't know what worse you can do. Or I guess maybe, you know, actually the seed. <laughs> All I'm thinking is, well, we better make sure Cloudy ain't near Tyson. Yeah. And just to be petty, even if Tyson had, let's just say Tyson was just playing with Ebony for, you know, giggles, for the lulls, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wouldn't be anything less than what Ebony deserved. Ebony did try to kill her. If if Tyson mm-hmm. really wanted to troll her, she had every right to troll her. You know what I'm just mm-hmm. saying? Like, if that really was the case, I still wouldn't feel bad for Ebony. If if Tyson oh. was only doing this to mess with her, I wouldn't feel bad for her. I'd be like, you tried to murder her for power. Whatever this girl did in retaliation, you freaking deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I don't think that's the case, but if it was, <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel bad for Ebony. Yeah. As my, as my father told me as a kid, if someone tries to kill you, you try to kill them right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I think I hate me for saying this, but I, I think she was trolling Danny more than. <laughs> yep. I agree. I totally think she's been trolling Danny the whole time. Yeah. I mean, that that seemed to be, you know, the, the best kind of way to annoy Danny. <laughs> Could you imagine the look on Danny's face if it had worked, you know? (laughs) Sorry, part of me and really wanted to see Ebony embrace arms and then Danny seeing that. (laughs) Honestly, if Bray had taken out with Ebony, the only person I'd feel bad for is Trudy. I'd be like, Bray, how could you do this to her? How could you forgive Mm -hmm. this woman who screwed Mm -hmm. over Trudy? But she's the only person I'd feel bad for. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even feel bad for Bray. I'm like, you know what she's like. You signing up for trouble. <laughs> Are we going to talk about Danny's ridiculous jealousy in this episode? And how that's become her only personality trait? <laughs> or are we just going to skip it? We can skip it. It's fine. I'm just curious. Yeah. These writers. I'm going to skip it. Okay. <laughs> Let's save that for another day. Another yeah. You seemed so awfully glad to see Trudy. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are close and you have a history. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. We'll do another day. Because <laughs> it's uh. just, yeah, it's just, we'll do another day. <laughs> oh, I will say that. I will say one thing. There was a really funny comment on how they said these guys have to find other ways to express their platonic uh, affection because hugs are constantly misconstrued in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a relationship don't you dare ever hug another person <laughs> okay before we get to the forum trudy takes patsy and chloe out for the mall on the mall for a picnic 
telling an upset Celine that she can't go with them as she wants to reconnect with the girls. And while out, Patsy and Chloe are pleased when Trudy says that she's noticed that they are growing up and she offers to listen to them if they want to talk to her about boys. Yeah, and what do you make of Trudy's attempts here to bond with the girls? Classic love bombing. It can be seen mm-hmm. as genuine. It can be seen as completely innocent. If she wasn't on a mission, we wouldn't be thinking anything of it. There's nothing weird about her reaching out to these girls who are growing up and who have basically been banded by their foster mother, who's too selfish to care about anybody but herself, you know? And yet, when you consider what Trudy's mission is, there's that insidiousness. You gain their confidence. You get close to them. You shower them with the attention that nobody else is giving them. So they associate you with positive Mm -hmm. feelings. You are the one they're going to come to because you made them feel good. Classic love uh, love bombing so that, you know, you can keep encouraging them to share things with you that you can use. And then you can pick at them and plant seeds in them. You know, it's just... You know, very good. Well done, Trudy. Do what you got to do. It's one of those times when we just hear, yes, she has a specific type of intonation in her voice when she tells these girls, I noticed that you've grown up. And it's the same thing she had in her voice when she told (laughs) Celine that, well, only Celine knows if Ryan had a point about Celine and Bray. And I mean, in in the future, we'll see that as, yeah, but basically as a telltale sign that Trudy is saying something with extra intentions to just, you know, make sure people support her or do a certain thing. But uh, her her telling the girls all the things that they really wanted to hear. Yeah, from the girls' point of view, it's finally someone noticed. Someone sees us for who we are and not as... You know, the tiny little children that we were. Because she knows that's all these girls ever wanted. To be seen, to be treated as, you know, as people and not as little kids. And well, the fact that she shut Celine out of going on this picnic. I was just so happy mm-hmm. about that. Because, you know, they're, they're having this lovely little moment. Yeah, they don't need Celine nagging all over it and whining about how much her life sucks. I did find it interesting to see that Trudy willingly goes outside the mall with Patsy and Chloe, as if that's not a clear sign that Trudy isn't worried about going out at all. And that was my second red flag. My first mm-hmm. one was just, you know, like, wait a second, why aren't you concerned that these guys might come back after you and your daughter? And this this one was just like, it was the way she fobbed Celine off. Yeah. Well, it was in- internally satisfying because, again... Celine tries to make everything about her and it's like, how dare you not want to spend time with me when I need you, you know, God forbid you want to spend time, blah, 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 whatever, Celine. Um, (laughs) Especially when you just saw her treating Ryan the way she did and suddenly someone's supposed to be sensitive to her feelings, whatever, Celine. Especially that these girls are younger, they need more of my attention. It was how insistent she was to cut Celine out it made me feel like she really wanted the girls to herself. And that was just, there was something nigging at the back of my brain. She wanted these girls isolated from another authority figure, another voice. She wanted them all to herself, Mm -hmm. which was a little odd because I'd never seen Trudy do that before with the girls. And then the fact that they just leave, no guards, no militia, nothing. She doesn't even really tell anybody other than Celine they're going out. The fact that nobody's concerned that she's going out with the girls when I'm sure it was 
well, it's always spattered in every few episodes. It's too dangerous to go anywhere. And she just leaves without a care in the world. They've got all these pretty little parasols. And I'm like, aren't you worried? Aren't you concerned that you could be found? That someone's looking after you? Someone's trying to find you? This, this was it. This was the moment. I was like, something is very wrong here. Something about how Trudy got away from the Chosen is wrong. There's something she's not telling us. Because this makes no sense that she's this at ease having her daughter out. Where, honestly, that would be traumatizing regardless. If the last time you took your child out, they mm -hmm. were taken from you. Most of us would have trouble. We'd have to, like, struggle with that a little bit. And remembering, like, it's okay to be outside again. It's not going to happen to me again. And the fact that it never seems to cross Trudy's mind that it could. That was, for me, the clincher. That something was off about Trudy. <laughs> so she's hiding something. Because this shouldn't be happening. This peaceful little idyllic, you know, picnic. Like, this is too Edwardian. Something is really off. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, how far did they go? Where did they go on that picnic? Yeah. You know, it's because, you know, looking at the scenery around them, there's, you see flashes of water and such. And all I'm thinking is, so did he take them to around the area where Brady was taken in the first place? Or That's what I was wondering. Yeah. It didn't look like yeah. that place, but it, really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. She took them out without a concern in the world yeah mm -hmm. she didn't even mention there's no dialogue of let we'll stay close to the mall you know we'll stay close to home mm -hmm. or whatever just we're going out for a picnic and it's great it's wonderful yeah and and just the fact that she's not even telling anyone else yeah that's it's yeah. actually really cool to see trudy kind of plant the seeds of uh of comforting and mm -hmm. and um and, and whatever you would call it, just so she can <laughs> lie and manipulate uh, the girls and pretty, pretty much the whole tribe. And at the same time, her taking these girls outside is telling these girls, okay, it's safe. It's okay out there. The others might be telling you it's scary, but it's not. You know, it, it's especially after Chloe was worried what might be going on uh, in a conversation where Ali wanted answers. It's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, just taking her outside with you, showing her you're not afraid. Yeah, completely devious of Trudy. Very useful. If I ever make like a, a top 10 like villains of the tribe, I'm putting Trudy <laughs> at least at number four. I mean, it's also a very interesting scene considering what happens next at the forum. Um, because. At the forum, the other tribes are obviously very skeptical of the threat of the Chosen until Danny encourages Trudy to reveal what exactly she has suffered at the hands, which Trudy proceeds to do, though it's all off screen. Um, so, so yeah, two questions, two main questions there. Like, what did you make of Trudy suddenly revealing what happened and at the fact that it was all off screen and we don't get any of it? It maintains the mystery of the Chosen. I mean, they're going to be your big mm -hmm. bad villain you want to keep them a mystery, you know. Um, that's why there was a lot of things we never saw the Locos do. We just heard of mm -hmm. what the Locos did. It built up the mythology of Zoot and his Locos and what they might do to you if they caught you by keeping it kind of a mystery, only getting hints of what they might do. So not letting us know exactly what happened to Trudy builds up this mystery because your imagination is 
the greatest weapon that a writer has against you because you can interpret what that horrible thing was any way you want and everyone will interpret it differently. You know, Sabine might interpret it as they put her in a cave of spiders and I would interpret it as they put her in an anthill. You know what I mean? Like we all have our things and that's, and that's why it's very effective because everyone gets to imagine what Trudy must have said, what Trudy must have gone through with these guys. And, um, and it keeps them that nice, scary boogeyman in you know the shadows of what they might do because we all got to imagine it uh, the shadows are scarier than the light and i what i find fascinating about mm-hmm. this is again like lance you're just mentioning we have this coming off the back of her idyllic picnic with the girls mm-hmm. where she's acting like there's nothing to be afraid of yeah and now she's gonna hit you with do not estimate these people and what they're willing to do and you're like wait a minute if you're actually this traumatized by what they did, why would you even leave the mall with your child? Like, what the frick? No, no, no. What? There's one thing worse than that. She never leaves Brady out of her sight inside the mall. She goes to this forum, and Brady is nowhere to be seen. Probably left her with the girls. Yeah, but I mean, before that, she would, you know, she wouldn't let anyone near Brady. She wouldn't let anyone change her or risk that. You know, and during this forum, Brady's suddenly not in her arms. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting about this performance from Antonia, which again, bravo queen, um, except for mm-hmm. except for the tears at mm-hmm. the end. I was a little conflicted about those tears. Um, <laughs> I really like the idea of trying to figure out how much of Trudy's genuine trauma she's recalling and how much of it's a show? Because I guarantee some of it was real. Yeah. Some of it was she was actually recalling what these yeah. people did to her, what they put her through, what it felt like to be trapped with these lunatics, to be trapped with Jaffa continually abusing her every day, using her daughter against her, dangling that carrot and breaking her down so he could reform her into what he wanted. And yet part of it is the show and trying to decide how much of it she's supposed to tell them while also being able to stay on point with her mission. You know, you can see that. Like, how much do I tell them? I got to give them something. They're not going to lay off. I have to tell them something. How much of it was that genuine breakdown of do not estimate them. They will stop at nothing to get what they want. Because they did. They got what they wanted from her, you yeah. know, and she knows it for a fact. Like, you guys yeah. are screwed. Right? <laughs> and it just, that always gets me. <laughs> yeah, and, and part of it is, you know, because you were saying how much is genuine emotion. But, you know, something we don't know at this point in time, but we'll learn later, is that at this moment, he's still struggling with some of the things Jaffa is holding over her. Yep. So, yeah, I think a big part of that emotion was genuine because, yes, he knows you should never underestimate them. And he has been through a lot. And, you know, even just recalling the beginning when they took Brady and they held her in the cave with Ebony and everything that happened there, that's enough to call up such emotions. I always hated that we did, that I didn't get to hear her full speech. Um, in, in all fairness... This is one of the moments in time that I would have loved to read the books about, like in the same style as Bird of the Mole Rats, just, you know, to to be able to have known what she would have said 
and later on what Jaffa would have thought mm-hmm. because it it's just so intriguing. I don't think it would ever be satisfying for everyone. That's that's the problem. No. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's a single thing they could actually script for her to say that would be good mm-hmm. enough for everyone that everyone would hear what she has to say and be like, "Oh wow, that's messed up." You know what I mean? Like I don't and so I think that's why they left it ambiguous. They left it to you, mm-hmm. the audience, to decide what is the mm-hmm. horrible things. You got a hint of what they would do to her. You got to see what happened in that cave. Take it from there. And um, yeah, I don't think there's anything they could have put to paper that would have justified The Chosen. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. When we actually finally get to see The Chosen in action, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I feel like there's just nothing they could have actually put there that would have been as effective as not knowing what Trudy said. Mm-hmm. Keep them as a as a boogeyman, kind of. Yeah, we'll definitely come to that point later on because yeah, the the promise of the chosen <laughs> doesn't live up to the what we actually do get. And yeah, that leads us to our final thoughts of the episodes. So a rattled Tyson seeks reassurance from Alice that she's not a spider, as Emily cued. And it's in this scene that Alice confesses her feelings for Lex and her belief that they will get together. But Tyson, however, seems a little uneasy. So yeah, Pan, what did you make of that final moment? And like, did you remember getting any hints of what you believe Tyson was going through? I did, but again, I relate with Tyson more than most people do. You know, I know what it's like to question yourself about your actual motivations um, and wonder, am I as good a person as I'm trying to be, as I like to think myself of? If you hold yourself to the standard of the kind of person you want to be, the energy you want to put out into the world, and you think you're okay, you think you're doing it right, and then something happens, maybe you gave really bad advice, maybe you hurt someone inadvertently, and you're questioning yourself. I just felt that, the way she asked, do you think I'm a spider? She was genuinely trying to help Ebony, mm-hmm. you know, and what Ebony said made her question so much about herself. She thought she was helping someone. She thought she was doing right by someone. And, and keep in mind, mm-hmm. now, when Ebony tried to kill Tysan, we all asked, why did she forgive her so easily? What the frick? Why did she try to make peace with this person? Mm-hmm. And then we, you have to remember, Ebony is not the first person who's tried to kill Tysan. If someone has tried to take your mm-hmm. life more than once, you have to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, why would more than one person want to kill me? Okay, Zandra tried to kill Tysan, and Tysan was incredibly cavalier mm-hmm. about that. You know, she blamed Zandra, like, how dare you try to do this? And she had to actually consider that she had pushed Zandra to a place where Zandra hated her enough that she was willing to let her drop to her death. Second time it happened, I guarantee Tysan immediately looked at herself. What have I done to make this person think that, that they would be willing to wipe me off the planet? And how can I make that right? And then to have that person turn on you again, I felt it. I've just felt mm-hmm. what Tysan was feeling. Genuine, like, am I doing as good as I thought? Am I actually being the good person I want to be? You know, I felt for her. But again, I know that most people don't. Because they just don't connect with Tysan the way I do. Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about the moment Alice told her she might end up with Lex, and the look she gave, the look on Tysan's face—it's just—it was like a look. It's, it's this is someone she cares yeah. about. Hmm? She genuinely loves Alice. 
She doesn't want anything bad to happen to Alice. She thinks Alice, she thinks the world of this woman. And to hear her say, I have a thing for someone who is notorious for hurting people. How would you feel? You know, how would you feel about that? And like, oh, is that the best idea? You know what I mean? What do I say? Do I tell you not to go for it? Yeah. You know, is that the wisest thing? I Do I rain on your parade? <laughs> See, and I, I'm just not sure if it was just that that was going through Tyson's mind. Because Tyson always had this attraction to Lex, but she wanted him to be a better person. And, you know, he wouldn't be one for her back then. And now he's trying to be a better person because of Alice. And I'm just wondering if seeing him, you know, try and be a good person hasn't stirred some feelings for Tyson. That is an interesting insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had never considered that, but it's a totally it's, fair one. Yeah, the, the only time, see, you know, the only time before when Lex tried to change himself was because of Tyson sending him on a spiritual journey. Well, he gave it a go so he could sleep with her. <laughs> yeah he, he did yeah. Give it, he gave it a go 24 hours he tried <laughs> he he gave it a go and then i mean well, come on he, he he gave he held he held the dustpan and gave her creamed rice he was trying <laughs> <laughs> exactly for you know he made it seem like he was gonna try and then he didn't her her response was to write him off immediately like there's no point in having any faith in you and yeah and now she sees Alice looking like she's succeeding at turning Lex around. Maybe it's genuine concern that she had faith in him. She actually thought maybe she could influence him and he failed mm -hmm. and she dropped him very quickly at mm -hmm. that failure. And maybe she's concerned the same thing will happen to Alice because he's already let Alice down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so she's concerned that Alice, he'll let you down. I don't want you to feel that if she felt anything at all. I don't know, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna chew on that. That's a good one. It's always been a two-way thing in my mind. Her concern for Alice, who's like the one friend, one true friend she's had, and then you know, seeing Lex trying to do better, something she wanted him to do, you know, a season ago. I can always see that Tyson, or I can believe that Tyson always thought that Lex was a lost cause in terms of like boyfriend material because mm -hmm. she just never thought of him that way like oh he'll never change but now you know mm -hmm. yeah and now like, he well, is he's, he's changing he's, he's actually sober <laughs> he actually knows how to talk to women now <laughs> he's, he's capable of change yeah. apparently hmm. it's really a gateway when you think about it because it's like in season one, Tyson didn't allow herself to genuinely care about anyone on a personal level. She kept everyone at a distance. She was indifferent to your personal feelings and, you know, what they meant. You know, she genuinely didn't give a crap. <laughs> she had no problem writing Lex off the minute he failed his exam. She was just like, bye, get out of class, you're expelled. You know, and never gave it another thought. She genuinely did not care about his feelings or even Zandra's. She was just, she couldn't fathom why Zandra was jealous. Like, what is your problem? Yeah, I slept with them. It meant nothing. You're just being silly. She couldn't wrap her head around it because she never allowed herself to feel those feelings. And now we have a Tyson who is allowing herself to feel these feelings. She feels genuine mm -hmm. love and care 
for the people around her. So if you're suddenly having this reopened, this reevaluation of Lex, that opens up a whole gateway of looking at him in a way that you didn't allow yourself to look at him before. Exactly. Attraction. You didn't allow the attraction to go any deeper than your skin before. So he was able to mm-hmm. wipe it off, like whatever. It was just a little stain. But now it's like things go down to the flesh. They go down to the bone. That's really interesting. I do think she's more concerned for Alice, though. I don't, I like, I, I, but it does make sense that this opens any gateway that leads her down the path it does with Lex. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think in this second she's thinking, oh my gosh, Lex's boyfriend material. <laughs> I definitely think it's more like, Alice, honey, yeah. I don't want you to get hurt. But I'm feeling really insecure about giving advice right now because Ebony threatened my life again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the second time. <laughs> For the second time. This will be like the third time someone tried to kill me. So, like, I'm feeling real insecure right now. <laughs> and at the same time, Tyson has no clue about what has happened between Tyson and Lex in the past. That's true, too. And of course, I imagine it's just Tyson sees that it's completely irrelevant, you know. Mm-hmm. So that brings the series to episode 35 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast, you can send us a message over on our Facebook page or on the website, thetribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for episode 36. Until then, bye. Bye. Later days. Bye.